Right, well, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Kings chapter 9. 1 Kings chapter 9 tonight. The title of the message tonight is, We Make Our Choices, But Our Choices Make Us. We make our choices, but our choices make us. I just want to read verses 4 and 5 to begin with before we uh, work our way through this chapter. But in verses 4 and 5... <clears throat> says, Now if you walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. As I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Now, when you think about life, and this is true of every single person. There's only two roads to follow in life. There's, there's just two. And every, every single person must decide which choice they're going to make, which road they're going to take. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. He said, these are your two choices. Enter by the narrow gate... For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. But then he says this, Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So according to Jesus, there's two ways. There's the broad way, and there's the narrow way. And whatever choice you make is going to determine your eternal destiny. There's, there's, that's the truth for every single person who has ever lived up on this earth. So some Christians seem to think that that choice that you make for or against the Lord Jesus Christ is it. You make that choice, and then you just go on and live your life like that choice never happened. Like you never ever entered the narrow gate. They think the only choice to make is the so-called choice you make to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the reality of the matter is we face choices every single day. Every single day we have to make a choice at every moment of every day after we really or claim to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We still have to make choices every single day. Whether or not you really did put your trust in Christ at that moment or whether you didn't, whether it was a false confession, you make choices after that every single day. The question is, are we choosing God's way or are we choosing our own way? Are we choosing for God's kingdom or are we choosing for our own kingdom? Are we choosing to submit to His sovereign plan or are we submitting to our own personal agenda? Which way will we go? Which choice will we make? Well, we see another choice coming to King Solomon here in the text before us tonight. And this choice came to King Solomon really at the height of his career. He was at the pinnacle of, of success when this uh, other choice came to him. It says in verses 1 and 2, And it came to pass... When Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and Solomon and all Solomon's desires which he wanted to do, 
that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. So now the Lord is appearing to Solomon. Once again, he's going to give Solomon another choice. Now remember what happened the first time the Lord appeared to Solomon. When Solomon first ascended to Israel's throne, when he had first became king, the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 3, which we've already looked at, that God appeared to him at Gibeon in a dream. And he gave him a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to choose anything he wanted. He told Solomon to ask for whatever he wanted and that he would give it to him. Well, wisely, we know Solomon chose wisdom. He chose well. He chose very well. He made the right choice. Well, now it was time for Solomon to choose again. And then we're going to find out as we go along through this, it was time for him to keep on choosing. He never had to stop choosing for the Lord. He had to keep on choosing for God. So God appears to Solomon here in another dream, and he offers him another choice. And this is where we see the first lesson that we can learn from this uh, encounter of God and Solomon once again. And the first lesson is this. Everyone has a choice to make in life, either for God or against God. And the choice that we make will either end in blessing or it will end in disaster. That's the first lesson. One road we can take is the way of obedience, which leads to blessing. We see in verses 3 through 5, it says this, And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now if you walk before me as your father David walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness, to uh, do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. So what God does here, He comes to uh, to, uh, Solomon in this dream again, and He makes a conditional promise to him. It's one of these if-then statements that we see so often. Uh, if you'll do this, Solomon, then I will do this for you. And so we see that if, if Solomon chooses the right road here, if he decides to walk with God like his father David did, the text says, then something will happen. Then God says, you will experience my blessing. So he needed to be a man after God's own heart like his father David in order to experience this blessing. He had to make a choice, right? He had to make a choice to follow after God like his father did. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean he had to be perfect? Well, was David perfect? David was far from perfect. But the Bible still says he was a man after God's own heart. No, David was not perfect. But what did David do? He pursued God through confession and repentance of sin. We're all going to mess up. David messed up. But when David did mess up, he didn't continue down the same road. We're going to see Solomon, he's going he's to mess up quite a bit. And instead of doing what his father David did, he's going to continue down a horrible road. But what David did, as soon as he recognized what he had done, he confessed and he repented and he said, Lord, purge me with hyssop. And he turned back to God. That's what it meant 
for Solomon to be a man like David, a man after God's own heart. And so if he would do that, then God would bless. And the same principle applies to us. If we follow God in the way of obedience, we will have blessing also. See, obedience really in itself is a blessing. We are blessed just to have the opportunity to obey God. That is a blessing in and of itself, to have virtue, to obey God. And when we do that, when we obey God, we're given the joy of a proper relationship with God. When we're in obedience to God, we're in a proper relationship with God, and that brings great joy. And so that in and of itself is a blessing, but obedience also leads to many other blessings. Uh, I don't have time to name them all, but just a few. Uh, We find in the Bible that if we work the way God tells us to work, we'll have plenty to take care of our families, we'll have plenty to share with others. The Bible says if we love the way God tells us to love, we'll have good relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible says if we feed the hungry, help the sick, visit the people in prison, that we'll enter into the Father's joy. That's just a few blessings that we'll have if we choose to obey the Lord. And so those are just a drop in the bucket of the blessings that we get when we enter that narrow way that Jesus talks about. Now, there is another way to go other than that direction. That's the way of disobedience. The way of disobedience leads to destruction. The way of obedience leads to blessing. The way of disobedience leads to destruction. Verses 6 through 8 says, Solomon, but if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, And this house which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And as for this house which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and will hiss and say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? So we see here, if Solomon goes down this road of disobedience, then that's going to have consequences as well. That's going to have results. Certain things are going to happen. And we see in the text that every single one of them are disastrous. Every one of them. Israel, the people, will be cast from the land that they had been promised. Uh, The unbelievers will hiss, it says, at the people of God and at the house of God. Uh, Israel will become as a proverb and a byword. Now what God's doing here is He wants Solomon and He wants these people to understand The sin has consequences. And there's wages for sin. Just like Sodom and Gomorrah. If Israel was disobedient, Israel would become uh, an example of divine judgment for all people to see, just like Sodom and Gomorrah did, if they turned away from God. To this day, even, Sodom is a byword. Right? Sodomy. Sodomites. And it's a byword. It all links back there. And so God's warning Israel, don't end up like Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't end up like these unbelievers. Listen, they abandoned God, and so God abandoned them. And if Israel abandons, abandoned God, then God would abandon them. And so God is warning them, don't make the choice of disobedience. Well, this message is also a, a gracious 
warning for us. It's a gracious warning about where we'll end up if we follow idols and abandon God as well. It doesn't matter how attractive other gods may seem to us. Money. Money can be, become an idol very quickly, and it seems very attractive. Material possessions, sex, physical pleasure, power, popularity, control, all these things can lead us to abandon God, lead us away from God if we choose those things instead of choosing God. And that will lead to our destruction every single time. I see, I've seen it my whole life, People think they'll be the first ones to get away with it. They'll be the first ones to be able to do it and overcome it. And it always leads to their destruction. And then it just repeats itself. Well, you're not going to be the first one. I'm not going to be the first one. If we chase those things instead of chasing God, it'll lead to our destructions. Our sins will be exposed. We'll suffer the consequences of our sin. People will see what we've become. People will hiss at us. People are sitting here waiting on Providence Baptist Church to mess up. That's right. Where they can look they where they can make fun of us and blaspheme the name of our God. That's right. They're waiting to hiss at us, individually and as a church. And if we don't repent, we'll perish. Remember what Jesus said, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. It's easy to get trapped in that stuff. Well, another lesson we learned from all of this, from this episode, is that we still have to make a choice even if we've made the right choices in the past. Up to this point in his life, Solomon has made almost all the right choices. He has made some great choices. He has been very obedient to the Lord. He chose to follow God's plan for the kingship. He didn't try to just take it over and kill everybody else and get them out of the way. He let God do His work and set Him up as king because that's what God had promised to do. He asks for wisdom when He could have asked for anything else in the world. And we also see here where He's built this glorious house for the Lord. He built the temple of God. So the Lord has blessed Solomon because of his obedience. He blessed him in pretty much everything he's accomplished up to this point. And God was very pleased with Solomon up to this point. Uh, That's why God said to him in verse 3, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have uh, built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. God has answered his prayer because he's pleased with Solomon. So Solomon is a king who has done more for God than almost any person in the history of the world has done for the Lord. But that's in the past. And for all his past success, Solomon still had to choose for the Lord every moment of every day going forward. If he continued to walk with God, it says, if he led his family in the worship of God, if he ruled with righteousness, if he practiced personal holiness, then he would receive the blessings of God that he had promised him. For his obedience. But if he turned away from God and he started heading down the road to idolatry, if he started heading down the road to disobedience, the Bible says he'd fall under God's judgment. We face the same choice. We face the very same scenario every single day, every single day. The choice 
of daily obedience. Whether or not we'll be obedient to the Lord. See, what we did for God yesterday, or what we did for God 20 years ago, does not cover the demand for obedience today. It does not make up for it. We must be obedient to the Lord today. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong idea here and think I'm talking about losing your salvation. That's not where I'm headed with this. I'm not talking about that. Once we truly come to Christ, according to the Word of God, we never lose our salvation. Never. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the way we work out our salvation, according to Philippians 2.12. I'm talking about the way we make our calling and our election sure, like 2 Peter 1.10 tells us to do. I'm talking about the way we glorify God by following and obeying Him on a daily basis. Not by trusting something we did for God yesterday or in the past. What we're doing for God today proves if our salvation is genuine what we're doing for God today. That's why, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, we are to examine ourselves to see whether or not we are truly in the faith. You see, if we get down the road from where we say we made that first choice for the Lord all those years ago, maybe, we get down the road 5, 10, 15, 20 years We've never made a choice for God since then. According to John, in his first epistle, you were never in the faith. You never really made that choice to begin with. What are you doing today? Are you choosing for God today? Or are you just holding on to something you supposedly did all those years ago? Examine yourselves whether or not you be in the faith. Well, a third lesson we learn from the choice that God puts before Solomon here and from the way the king responded to that choice is what matters the most in life, no matter what else we achieve, is choosing the right spiritual road today. So in addition to mentioning his past achievements that we've looked at here, 1 Kings chapter 9 also lists Solomon's future accomplishments Accomplishments in commerce, in politics, in military defense. Now over the course of his reign, Solomon really did everything a king could ever want to do, could ever imagine, could ever hope to do. But no matter what else he accomplished in life, the most important thing he did was to make a daily choice either for or against the Lord. That was more important than building the temple. That was more important than getting all the wealth that any you could ever imagine. Whether you chose for or against the Lord right now. I want you to consider a few of Solomon's notable accomplishments that we see here. First of all, he was a great success at international trade. Look at verses 10 through 14. It says, Now it happened at the end of 20 years when Solomon had built the two houses the house of the Lord and the king's house. Hiram, the king of Tyre, had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress and gold as much as he desired. That King Solomon then gave Hiram twenty cities in the land of Galilee. Then Hiram went from Tyre to see the cities which Solomon had given him, but they did not please him. 
Now look at that. Solomon had, our, Ty, our Hiram, king of Tyre, had given Solomon everything he needed to build all that stuff. And then he gave him in return 20 cities, but they didn't please him. But guess what? There wasn't anything Hiram could do about it now. Solomon was too powerful. Solomon was too blessed. So he just had to accept what Solomon had given him, even though it didn't please him. And uh, verse 13 says, So he said, What kind of cities are these which you have given me, my brother? You now, Galilee never did have a good reputation, did it? And he called them the land of Kabul, as they are to this day. Then Hiram sent the king 120 talents of gold. So Hiram was not pleased with the gift from Solomon, but still he turned around and sent him all this gold. You remember God had told Solomon, because you've asked for wisdom, you'll also receive great wealth. The Bible also says that if you are, in, uh, if you are obedient to God, that He will make even your enemies be at peace with you. That's right. Hiram did not like the gift Solomon gave him, but he still turned around and gave him tons of gold. That's God for you. That's right. God did that. Well, we also see Solomon was a success, a success at completing great building projects in verses 15 through 19. It says, And this is the reason for the labor force which King Solomon raised to build the house of the Lord, his own house, the Milo, the wall of Jerusalem, Hazor, Megiddo, and uh, Gezer, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up and taken Gezer and burned it with fire, had killed the Canaanites who dwelt in the city, and had given it as a dowry to his daughter, Solomon's wife. And Solomon built Gezer, Lower Beth Haran, uh, Baalath, and Tadmor in the wilderness, in the land of Judah. <clears throat> All the storage cities that Solomon had, cities for his chariots and cities for his cavalry, and whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and in all the land of his dominion. So Solomon, he didn't just build his own house. He didn't just build a temple. He built tons of other things. He built tons of military strongholds. He built this nice thing for his wife uh, from Egypt. He built all these places uh, to uh, store his cavalry and his soldiers, all these different things. He was a great builder, was blessed with all these building projects. But also... We see, in addition to his wealth and his military might, his building, he also had great power. In verses 20 through 23, it says, All the people who were left of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hibites, Jebusites, Termites, uh, no, that's not really, who were not of the children of Israel, that is, their descendants who were left in the land after them, whom the children of Israel had not been able to destroy completely from these, Solomon raised forced labor, as it is to this day. But of the children of Israel, Solomon made no forced laborers, because they were men of war, and his servants, his officers, his captains, commanders of his chariots and his cavalry. Others were chiefs of the officials who were over Solomon's work, 550 who ruled over the people who did the work. So Solomon had great power. He made, he, uh, made forced labor out of many people. We've talked earlier, that's going to be something that leads to Solomon's downfall as well. Uh, shows his... Uh, starting to stray away from the Lord. But we also see that he had many other people that worked for him that weren't forced labor, but they were still under, under his control. So he had great power over many people. We also see Solomon had a beautiful wife. and She was well cared for, and she even had a palace to call her own. In verse 24 it says, Pharaoh's daughter 
came up from the city of David to her house, which Solomon had built for her. So he had uh, married this daughter of Pharaoh, and he had also built her, no doubt, a very nice home. And then it says he built her a Milo as well. Uh, most scholars believe that was some kind of luxurious portico or porch or some kind of, we might call it in uh, Bodcar Spring Hill, a big deck out on the bank, right? He had built her all this nice stuff. Solomon also had a royal navy. That enabled him to have these uh, very lucrative shipping partnerships that gained him even more wealth and even more gold. Verses 26 through 28 says, King Solomon also built a fleet of ships at Ezion, Geber, uh, which is near Elath on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. Then Hiram sent his servants with the fleet, seamen who knew the sea, to work with the servants of Solomon. And they went to Ophir and acquired 420 talents of gold from there and brought it to King Solomon. So Solomon, listen, he was very wise in dealing with, in, uh, with business. So he used his navy to help make him money and uh, ship, imports, exports, raise more gold. So Solomon had everything a man could ever really ask for in this world. He had everything a man could want in life. He had money, he had power, he had uh, property, possessions, servants, he even had beautiful women. Yet every single day, he still had to make a choice. He had to make a spiritual choice. No matter how successful he was, no matter how much money he had, no matter how much power he had, Solomon had to choose either for or against God. Would he thank God for all his money? Would he put it to use for the kingdom of God? Or would he hoard it for himself? Would he blow it on luxury and worldliness? Would he exercise his power to rule righteously? Would he serve the poor and protect the weak? Or would he use it to exploit them? Would he grow proud of what he has accomplished rather than give God the glory for everything he had accomplished? He had a choice to make in everything, even the blessings the Lord had given him. He had a choice to make. We need to be careful because sometimes the more we have of what this world has to offer, the easier it is to think we're on the right track when in reality we may be following after idols. You be very careful about that. What really counts in life is not academic success. It's not business success. It's not athletic accomplishments. It's not a bigger bank account. It's not reaching the top of our profession. Listen, it's not even taking pride in our family. As important as that is, that's not the most important thing in life. The most important thing is the spiritual choice that we make in our hearts every day, either for or against the Lord. That's the most important thing. And we can get everything we want in life, and we can still end up being losers. We can still end up losing if we choose our own road instead of God's road, instead of God's will. That's why the Bible warns us in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, to take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Those worldly things that we chase after can lead us down a dangerous path. This truth, though, is also a comfort to us. I'm not telling this to scare you. Because this also has a comforting message in it. It's comforting in our failures. If we've made the wrong choice along the way, 
if we're currently making the wrong choices along the way, no matter how bad things have gone, maybe even as a result of our own horrible sins, we still have a chance to choose for God. We still have a chance. We choose for God by fully repenting of our sin turning back to Him. That's how we choose for God. We choose for God by trusting that He knows what He's doing even though we may not be able to see what it is He's doing. Even though at the moment we may not think He's doing the right thing, He is. We choose for God by trusting His will. We choose for God by believing He'll provide whatever we truly need. Not whatever we want. What we need. We choose for God by persevering through trials and temptations, knowing that as we walk with Him, He's going to be there to see us to the very end. Every single time. That's some ways we choose for God. So I ask you, will you choose for God? Will you choose the broad and easy path that leads to destruction, or will you choose the narrow way that leads to life? Will you choose for God? Will you choose for God today? Will you choose for God tomorrow? Will you choose for God every single day of the rest of your life? That's the question. The Bible says here in verse 25, Now three times a year Solomon offered burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar which he had built for the Lord. And he burned incense with them on the altar uh, that was before the Lord. So he finished the temple. What is Solomon doing there? choosing for the Lord. And doing those things, Solomon chose for the Lord. Solomon made the proper sacrifices to the Lord, just as God's Word says. Solomon made uh, the, uh, went to the uh, worship the Lord at the proper times at those three feasts, just the way the Word of God said. He chose for God at the temple here. He chose for God by giving these sacrifices. He chose for God by obeying what God told him to do. That's what he did in verse 25. Well, unfortunately... We know Solomon is not going to finish, finish near as well as he started. We're going to see, begin to see that as we get to chapter 11. And so, in seeing that and in knowing that, we see that even the greatest of earthly glories, Solomon had everything a man could imagine, but even the greatest of earthly glories are lost. They're worthless. When people stop choosing for what really matters. And that's the Lord. You see, when Solomon stopped choosing for the Lord, that stuff didn't matter anymore. He went down a path of idolatry. So how can we avoid Solomon's mistake? How can we avoid the mistake that Solomon made, and how can we keep choosing for God? Some very interesting verses in Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24 Joshua challenges the people of Israel to serve the Lord their God. He says, serve the Lord your God with all your heart. Serve Him. But then, he makes this very strange statement, this paradoxical statement, this seemingly contradictory statement. He says in Joshua 24, 19, immediately after he basically commands them to serve the Lord, he says this, you are not able to serve the Lord. For he is a holy God. What is he saying? He says, serve the Lord, but then he says, you're not able to do it. 
You're not able to serve the Lord. What Joshua is saying here, he understood uh, sinful humanity. He understood the sin condition. He was saying that sinful people are incapable of always making all the right choices in life. He knew that people could not do that. So even if we have the best of intentions, even if we plan and we tell ourselves and we grit our teeth and we pull our boots up and we say, we are going to make the right choice today. Joshua knew we couldn't do it. He knew that we could not always make the right choice without the grace of God. If we try to do it ourselves, we'll always end up on the road to destruction. But praise the Lord, we have a Savior who always made the right choice in life. Every single moment of every single day, He followed the narrow way all the way to the cross. And that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus had to make the same choice that we have to make. There were always two roads set before our Lord Jesus Christ. Always. He had to make the right choice. He, had, he was forced to choose either for or against the will of God. He had to make the choice whenever Satan tempted him. He had to make the choice at Gethsemane. He even had to make the choice as he hung on Calvary's cross. He could have called legions of angels to come take him down from that cross. But he made the choice for God. For God's will. Jesus chose for God. He chose for him every single moment of every single day, even when it cost him his life. And because he is the only person that's ever done that, because He is the only person who ever did choose for God all the time, every single time, He was able to make perfect atonement for you and I. And so, because of that, if we trust in Him, you know what happens? His right choices become our right choices. Even if we, from time to time, make the wrong choice. That's grace. Isn't that amazing? And when the choice comes to us again, as it's going to every single day of our lives, and as we struggle hard to choose for God, because we all do, guess what? Jesus is right there on the narrow road, holding us by the hand, leading us to life. So my last question to you is this. Have you chose Jesus. Have you chose Jesus? It's my prayer that you have. If you've not, all you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, and you will be saved. Amen. You will be. And He's going to carry you along the way to eternal life.